0: This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast of my novel, Assam and Arjeeling. Book Three Purgatory Chapter Fourteen The word cold, G decided, didn't quite do justice to the bone-numbing chill that seeped into every inch of her being. It was a dry cold, Harsh and insistent and determined, it would not be overcome, it could not be shut out, and it was impossible to ignore. There was no place anywhere, inside or out, where she felt warm. The ground sloped under their feet, hard and slippery and unforgiving. They made their way down as best they could, shoes skidding and slipping. After a while, the slope flattened out again. A chill mist clung to the ground, bits of reeds and plants sticking up here and there. "'It's frozen,' Assam said. "'What?' Edgar didn't turn around. "'It's frozen. It's a frozen pond.' "'It's a lake,' Edgar said. "'And yes, you're correct that it is in fact frozen. "'Good to see that you're learning to use those remarkable perceptive powers of yours.' He kept walking. The children followed. Gee stumbled, tripping over a rock frozen half-submerged in the ice. She stood up and brushed off the seat of her pants. "'Sorry,' she said. "'I tripped over a—' She trailed off, eyes wide. It wasn't a rock. It was a body. A corpse almost completely submerged into the frozen surface of the lake, head and shoulders poking up through the ice.' The skin was windburned, lacerated with frost and hanging off in shreds. The scalp had been scoured down to stubble by the chill wind. The face was blackened, the eyelids iced over, and the teeth bared in an in eternal grimace. Then the eyes opened. What is it? Assam rushed to her side. What's wrong? G didn't answer. She was too busy screaming nothing but sheer horrified madness blasting out of her. She scrambled away from the head watching the pale eyes follow her as she slipped and skidded across the ice. Assam knelt next to her and said her name trying to break through. What is it? She gestured to the dark shape poking up in front of them. Assam looked, locking his gaze with those staring eyes. A silent misery drifted sluggishly across the front of his mind, sinking deeper inside. Taking as deep a breath as he could, Assam pushed it back out again with all of his might. G's screams had turned to long, gasping breaths. He held onto her and stood up slowly, lifting her up along with him. Oh my God, she choked. All around them in the mist, dark shapes stuck up through the ice. They weren't bodies, Assam realized. They were people, trapped in the ice. They were everywhere as far as the eye could see, frozen into the surface of the lake. Some were more exposed than the one G had tripped over, their waists and legs encased below the surface while they clawed at the ice above. Nearby, another had managed to work a hand free, Raw fingers clutched, waving at Assam like the fronds of a dark anemone. There, one full arm extended towards them, grasping sluggishly at the chill air. Others had settled deeper, only their eyes and the top of their heads visible above the pale surface. And some were moaning, some screaming, crying out in languages Assam had never heard before. G had awakened them with her screams. Holding on to her, he backed up, leading his sister slowly away. He stumbled, something clutching his foot. He looked down to see dark fingers sticking up through the ice curling around the toe of his boot. Below the surface he could make out a blur that might once have been a face, a gaping mouth screaming. He pulled his leg away but the hand held him fast. Pale bones poked through the shredded tips of the fingers like claws. He had a momentary flash, an image in his mind of those dark fingers pulling him down through the ice, trapping him there like all the others. He kicked and stomped with his other foot. The fingers snapped, shattered like icicles, and he pulled himself free. A cry of rage and pain echoed up through the ice and drove itself into the right side of his brain. He stumbled, pulling his sister down with him. They huddled together, squeezing their eyes closed. Footsteps scraped across the ice. Assam looked up. "'What are they?' he asked. "'Irritating, mostly,' Edgar shook his head. "'Come on, we've got a while to go yet.' Assam tried to rise. Gee clung to him. "'Who are they?' Edgar offered him a hand. "'Wow,' the boy said with a grunt, helping them up. "'At one point, these were all the traitors.' Traitors? Traitors to what? Who knows? Edgar surveyed the lake, shaking his head. It used to be better organized than this. It used to be you knew where you were at. Knew how far gone you were by who was frozen into the lake around you. Now it's all jumbled up. Can't tell the ones who betrayed their country from the ones who betrayed their family. Assam looked around then back to G. She was shuddering eyes staring i let you in on a little secret edgar said all of these people aren't really traitors to anything but themselves that's where it always starts and once you do that there's no turning back who put them here assam asked are they being punished only by themselves see him Edgar pointed to a figure nearby, a body submerged in ice up to the chest, only the head and one arm exposed. The only one punishing him is him. He pointed to another. Same with her. And another. And them. He gestured to the dark shapes littering the ice all around them. Same for all of them. Why? Why would they do this to themselves? The grin opened across Edgar's face like a rotting wooden gate. Because that's what they expected. It's what they think they deserve. Trust me, they would have been disappointed if there hadn't been a little bit of spanking waiting for them when they got here. Spanking? Assam stared at the boy in horror. This is nothing, Edgar told him. Just be glad we don't have to go to Malbolge or this. He shook his head. The people there really have some issues. Can we go now? G kept her face against her brother's jacket, muffling her voice. You bet. Now, I gotta tell you, Edgar said as he led them off, this goes on for quite a while, so you may want to keep your eyes closed. For how long? G asked. Edgar swept his gaze across the frozen waste around them. He looked at his arm with a shrug. Not... "'Too much, father. "'We'll tell you when it's safe to look.' They threaded their way through the dark forms, keeping their distance as best they could. There were hundreds of them. Thousands. "'Probably more than that,' Assam thought to himself. He wondered how big the lake was, how deep it went. "'These are all traitors?' "'More or less,' Edgar replied. "'It's hard to tell these days.' Everything went sketchy for a while after they went over to computers. They never really got all the bugs sorted out. But this is where you end up when you've got more guilt than grace to share with yourself at the end of the day. He stepped over two figures intertwined together in the ice. They could have been lovers. They might have been enemies. Either way, they tore at each other in desperation. But they weren't too desperate to not look up as the children passed. In his mind, Assam saw a dark hand dart out and grab his leg, adding a third figure to that terrible sculpture for all eternity. He shuddered, unsure of whether the thought had come from one of them or if it was his imagination playing tricks on him. How did they get here? I told you, Edgar said. No, how did they get here? How did they find this place? The other boy didn't answer immediately. Assam wondered if he even knew the answer to the question. We all find our way to where we're meant to be, Edgar said at last. Eventually. Everything finds its own level, in time. Even you? And look at me now, huh? Edgar chuckled. Let's keep moving. Otherwise, we'll start to melt the ice, and then we'll sink. And then we'll freeze what's that g pointed to a dark smudge rising up in the distance off to their left don't worry about it edgar said over his shoulder less talking and more walking assam could see that there was definitely something out there it was far off but he could tell that it was huge towering over the ice it might be a building of some sort he thought for a moment, watching how the dark shape shifted and changed in the distance. It reminded him of something. Is that a... He stopped, watching it move. Is that a windmill? No, Edgar said. What is it? G asked. You honestly don't want to know. Tell us, G said. Is that where we're going? So I'm a two-guide now, am I? "'Edgar sighed and turned around. "'You don't need to worry about every little local point of interest on your trip. "'You're not tourists. This isn't a holiday.' "'He turned and looked at the two of them standing there, "'watching the distant shapes spin and move in the mist. "'Something pulled at his foot. "'Edgar looked down to see a dark face chewing at his ankle. "'He kicked at the splintered teeth absent-mindedly "'and then threw up his hands. "'Fine,' he said. Since you want to know so bad, it's a remnant from hundreds of years ago. I can't believe it's still around, let alone that you can see it. But we're not even going one step closer to it than this. Why not? Assam asked. Because it scares the living shit right out of me, Edgar gave them an exasperated look. Can we keep moving, please? What's a remnant? G asked. A remnant, Edgar said patiently, is a piece of fabric left over from a larger bolt of cloth. It's a scrap, a shred of something left behind by someone who couldn't be bothered to clean up after himself. For many, many travellers, he went on, this place accommodates their milieu by giving them raw materials to shape for themselves, a template, if you will, by which they can create a metaphor to help them make sense of where they are. What's a milieu? G asked at the exact same time that her brother asked. Who left it here? Edgar clapped his hands together, as though their words were gnats bobbing in the air. Tell you what, he said. I will answer your questions if you agree to keep your feet moving in the general direction of our destination. How does that sound? Asaman G nodded peachy he started walking again they followed a you he said to G is a way of looking at the world sometimes the world looks back at you and if you're lucky it will try to get to know you better she nodded as though she understood and your question he said to Assam is just too stupid to answer who cares who left it here Even if I knew their name, even if I told you their name, you wouldn't still know anything more than you do right now. He hooked his thumb at G, At least she got a vocabulary lesson out of her question. They walked on in silence. After a time and a distance, the dark figures in the ice began to thin out, appearing less and less. Assam looked back at the shape still looming off in the distance behind them. It did not he decided, looked like a windmill from this angle, not at all. The wind kicked up, sending a chill through him. He heard then, or thought he heard, a howl from on high. It might have only been the wind, but he knew better. In his mind's eye, he saw three faces howling with horrible fury, massive wings beating against the air, straining to be free. He shook his head, trying to get rid of the image. Once, for his birthday, his father had given him a toy screen that magically drew lines across its silver surface. All you had to do was twist a few knobs this way and that. When you wanted to clear the picture and start over, all you did was shake it and it would be clear once more. Or almost. There was always a ghost of the image left behind, lingering on the screen. Over time, the silver surface would be etched with old lines, old pictures long shaken out of existence. If you looked close, you could get lost in them, like a maze. He felt his mind drifting down that path. He heard echoes of old stories layered on top of the other, footsteps on the ice from other travelers long past, flickers of what they saw. He shuddered, shook his head to clear the images away. When he'd cleared his mind enough, he saw that he was a little bit behind the others. His sister had outpaced him somewhat and was up ahead, walking next to Edgar. The boy turned to say something to her, but the wind kicked up and Assam heard nothing but the faint sound of G's voice answering. He strained to hear, but her words were carried away in the cold, blunt teeth of the wind. He jogged up alongside her and grabbed her arm, pulling her back. What are you talking about? he asked, holding his palm against his ear. "'Nothing,' she said. "'What's wrong with your head?' "'Nothing,' he said. "'I have an earache. "'Is it going to fall off?' "'No,' he said. "'It's cold, and I'm trying to warm it up.' "'Isn't your other ear cold?' "'Yes. "'Then why aren't you warming that one up, too?' Because I don't have an earache in that side. Oh, she said. What did he say to you? Assam asked her under his breath. Just asked about mom. He glanced at the boy walking ahead of them. What about her? She shrugged. I don't know, just what she was like. What did you tell him? She shrugged again. He wanted to shake her. Instead, he called out to the boy in front of them. What did you ask her? Edgar turned and walked back to them, hunching his shoulders over against the wind. What? What were the two of you talking about? Wind. Before, Assam said, you asked about our mom. Edgar gave him a look. If you knew the answer, why'd you ask a question? What did she tell you? Edgar shrugged. Assam could feel himself starting to lose his grip on his anger. What did you ask her? He asked about mom, she said from behind him. Yeah, I got that. Assam grabbed Edgar's arm. Tell me. The boy looked at Assam's hand on his arm and then back up again. I asked who your mom loved more, you or your sister. What did she say? Edgar reached up and pulled his arm free. I don't remember. He turned and kept walking. What did you tell him? Assam asked his sister. She stared at him for a long moment. Tell me. It wasn't that he cared about the answer. He just didn't like it that Edgar had asked the question. Truth be told, he liked it even less that his sister had answered it. G opened her mouth to answer and then stopped. He saw her eyes widen. Look! She pointed past him through the mist. He turned, still fuming. Before he could ask what was going on, she broke into a run, the ragged cloth around her feet flapping loose. She stopped long enough to gather them up before continuing on down the hill barefoot. Come on! She called to him over her shoulder as she ran past Edgar. Assam watched her go. Up ahead, he could see a low, dingy streak of brown running like a scar along the edge of the lake. They'd reached the shore. Edgar waited for Assam to catch up. The boys looked at each other, expressionless. Looks like we made it, Assam said. Looks like? Edgar turned and kept walking. Assam followed. They made it to the shore and started climbing up the high slope of the bank. G was up at the top calling down to them, but the wind carried her words off. By the time Assam and Edgar got to the crest, she was already running down the opposite side. At the top, Assam could see what she was running towards and, on one level, he was starting to understand what was going on, maybe for the first time. You're not really coming further with us, are you? He didn't look at Edgar. He didn't need to. I don't think so, the boy answered. Assam waited for a moment. Anything you want to tell me? Not really, Edgar said. You'll both be safe in there. I know what you're doing, Assam told the boy. I know you're lying to us. Edgar tensed, wary. But I don't know why. We haven't done anything to you. Edgar said nothing. Down below, G called to them. I'm not lying to you. Maybe not, Assam replied. But you're not telling the truth either, are you, Edgar? The boy didn't answer. What's waiting for us in there? Assam studied the boy for a moment. Edgar didn't answer. Who is he? Edgar only shrugged. What do you want? Assam asked him. Why did you do this? The boy looked away down the hill to where G waited impatiently. We could have been friends, Assam said. No, Edgar replied. We couldn't have. What did I ever do to you? Edgar smiled. His teeth like old tombstones, overgrown and forgotten. He looked suddenly, immeasurably old. Assam waited. Then he said, Be seeing you. I've kept my end of the bargain, Edgar reminded him. Assam turned away. His sister was calling again. Sure thing. I'll catch up with you later to collect. Take your time. I kept my end, Edgar insisted. Did you? Assam did not turn around. Down below, G was re-wrapping her feet. It's about time. Sorry. She looked back up at Edgar. Isn't he coming? Nope. Assam didn't look back. Good. She wrinkled her nose. He smelled bad. She shouted up to the other boy. You smell bad! Gee, Assam said. She shushed him and pointed to the low gate in front of them. Do you see it? He nodded. Is this really what I think it is? He nodded again. I guess so. That's what I thought, she said. I thought it was, but I wanted to be sure. Sure of what? That I wasn't hallucinating. She lifted the latch on the gate. The brass handle, familiar and worn, fitted perfectly into the palm of her hand. Ready? she asked, walking through before he could answer. Assam caught the gate as it swung shut, wincing as the rough wood raked his hand. He drew back and saw a dozen or more splinters embedded in the ball of his thumb, across the span of his palm. Coming? she asked from the other side. He nodded and, picking at the splinters, went through. They stood together for a moment, side by side. What does this mean? She asked him, looking up the walkway. I don't know, he said as honestly as he could. It was their house. Or rather, it was a house just like their house back home almost exactly like theirs. Someone had reproduced the house they lived in down to the very last detail. The only difference was that the house in front of them right now was weathered and worn, faded almost like a photograph left out in the rain. The paint had cracked and yellowed. The few remaining windows were smeared with dust. G. patted his arm. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. I'm not worried. As a place, Assam felt nothing from it. It was practically inert. His mind slid off it like a bead of moisture running down a mirror. He could get nothing from it. Which was, in and of itself, a little odd, considering everything that had happened so far. He pushed the thought out of his mind. They would find out soon enough. G took his hand, and together they went up the walk to the steps. Assam could see the splintered groove in the rail where, a few years back, he had started to carve his name before his father had caught him. "'What are you looking at?' she asked. "'Remnants,' he muttered, shaking his head. Whoever had done this made this perfect copy. They knew their stuff. They went up to the front door, their footsteps hollow against the narrow porch." Even their mother's flower pots were there in their proper places on each side of the doormat, but whatever had grown in them had long since withered to nothing than much more than a handful of dried twigs. G reached for the doorknob. Assam stopped her. Wait, he said. Maybe we should knock. It's our house. We live here. She turned the knob and pushed the door open. Come on. And then she went in. Her brother glanced back up the hill. Edgar was gone. After a moment, Assam wiped his feet on the mat and went inside, closing the door behind him. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and read by the author, T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Even listening to the damn thing is probably illegal these days. In fact, you should stop right now, just in case the feds are closing in on you. I'd wipe your hard drive, too, just to be safe. You don't want them to find all those Firefly episodes you downloaded from BitTorrent, do you? Wait. Did you hear that? Just outside the window? I think it was one of their robotic hounds. The new models have night vision, you know. And now they see everything. Oh my god, I think... I think they might already be in the house.